In this episode, I talk with Randy Levenbaum about new rules for pickleball in 2021, including two new serving rules which are being talked about a lot on social media. Randy is a USA Pickleball Certified Referee, Registered Referee Trainer, and the USA Pickleball Mountain Region Referee Training Coordinator, so she really knows her stuff. Randy also talks about other new rules which are especially important to tournament players, and also how you and your partner should work together to make line calls. This is a must-listen-to episode if you want to be ready for pickleball in 2021. So let's get to the intro to hear more. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I would like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, Randy Levenbaum. Welcome, Randy. Thanks, Lynn. I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, you know, this is an exciting time in pickleball. There's a number of recent rule changes that have come in or will be in effect in January 2021. So I've been waiting to have you on the show until everything was official. But before we get into talking about the new rules and your background in depth as a certified referee, I first wanted to ask you how you got started in pickleball and how you became interested in becoming a certified referee. So I've been playing sports ever since I was a little kid. I got introduced to pickleball by uh, a cousin I have in Surprise, Arizona. They had pickleball in his housing community, and I was visiting him, and he took me out to play. And it was very similar to paddle tennis, which I had been playing for some time. And so that was my first introduction. But then I never really played it again because I didn't know it existed where I lived in the Las Vegas, Nevada area. So it wasn't until I moved to a new senior community that had pickleball that I actually got to start playing on a regular basis. And I did that because we had it here right in our community. And it was great to be able to find something that you can compete at as a senior adult. You know, I thought my competition days in sports were over. So that was my great joy to find that. I could resume competing at a sport, and that, that's just so much fun for me. And so I played for about three years or so. In the middle of that third year, I became interested in refereeing and then pursued uh, refereeing and became a certified ref in December of 2019. And, uh, you know, once you decide that you're never going to become a pro pickleball player, the next best thing is being on the court with the pros and being able to give back to the game to all the competitive pickleball players. And I know there's actually a lot involved in getting to the level of certification that you are for a referee. Can you kind of talk about the steps of that process? Sure. Quickly, you become familiar with the rules. You then become familiar with the referee procedures using the USA Pickleball Referee Handbook. There's some online tests for you to test how competent you are with both the rules and the procedures. You can seek out some training. You can do your, some training on your own. And then once you have practiced being a referee, maybe just refereeing your friends and local recreational play, 
then you can have a certified referee assess your current skills. And then you're going to continue through the program. So once you get to the level of competence of a level one referee, you'll get a credential. Then you go to a level two referee, get another credential, do some more training, and then apply for your certification evaluation. Assuming that goes well, you can become a certified referee. And then the work really starts because now you've got to stay up on the rules all every year. And so you know that there's over 100 rule changes in the change document this year. There was a significant number last year as well. So this is not unusual to have many, many, many dozens of rule changes. Oftentimes they're just clarifications and not really new rules. And so you just continue staying competent Every three years, you have to have a recertification just to make sure you're staying up with things. And hopefully you get to the level where you want to start helping new reps come in as well. So all in all, it's it quite involved becoming one and then staying current. Yeah, you know, I have not played in a tournament before, and so I wasn't familiar with all the rules. But with the podcast now, I'm getting a little bit more tuned into that aspect of the game. And I was really amazed when I saw all the changes for 2021. And I guess you kind of touched on it a little bit as, you know, is a hundred rule changes a lot for a year or is that, you know, typical? Well, when you boil it all down, it's not really a hundred rule changes. What happens is they'll change some of the language and existing rules. It might've said should, it might change to shall. Sometimes it's just grammar, cleaning cleaning up grammar or adding some more clarification to an existing rule. So it's not really 125 completely new rules. But there is definitely a couple new rules this year related to the serve that everybody's talking about. Can you talk about those a little bit? Sure. And, and let's start that with one of the things that a lot of people seem to be concerned about. And hopefully once they hear everything that has to do with the removal of serve lets, that will put people at ease. It's really not a whole lot different than what you've been doing playing pickleball anyway. So part of the serve, obviously, once the ball leaves the server's paddle and travels towards the receiver, is it may touch the net. So last year, if if a serve touched the net, it wasn't necessarily a replay. It was only a replay if it touched the net and then landed in the correct service area on the court. So if it touched the net and it dropped in the non-volley zone, it was still a fault last year. If you do that this year, it's still a fault. Nothing changed. If you serve, however, and it touches the net and it lands in the proper service area, it's not going to be a replay. You're going to play that ball just like every other ball during a rally that touches the net and lands legally in the court. So it'll be a little bit of a learning curve, reteaching yourself not to stop on a serve that touches the net and then lands in the proper service area. So to talk about that a little bit more, I wanna give you a couple scenarios that are likely to happen, especially at the beginning part of the year. 
And just so everybody knows, these service, the new rule changes for 2021, all of them are effective January 25th. So as far as tournaments are concerned, that's when we will be applying the new rules. So think about these service lets. It's new for the referees as well as the players. So a referee will call the score, the server's gonna serve, the serve ball hits the net and it lands in the proper court and the referee out of habit immediately might yell let. So obviously that's an error, it's a referee error. So the ref's gonna say ref error and replay, not because it hit the net, because the referee made a mistake. Just like if a referee realizes they called the wrong score before the receivers hit the ball, They'll call referee error and will reserve. When the referee makes that error, they're also going to remind the players that service lets do not exist. So that's your first scenario. And that, that's going to happen to some refs, especially since we haven't had a lot of tournaments in 2020 and we haven't been able to practice refing as much. So the next scenario is the referee calls the correct score, the server serves, the ball hits the net and lands in the proper receiving court. And the receiver yells let out of habit and catches the ball. In this case, the referee is gonna call a fault because stopping a live ball before it becomes dead is a fault. And the ref's gonna remind the players service lets don't exist. So here's another scenario that's going to happen, especially at the beginning of the year. The referee is going to call the correct score. The server is going to serve. The ball is going to hit the net and land in the proper receiving court. The re receiver yells let, but also happens to return the ball back to the serving team. And now the serving team stops play or catches the ball because they heard the word let and they thought it would be a replay. So once again, now the referee is going to call a fault on the serving team for stopping play and remind the players that service lets don't exist. So just because the receiving team said let but continued to play, that doesn't allow the serving team to stop play. So don't stop play is the scenario. Now, if the referee calls the score, the server serves the ball, ball hits the net, lands in the proper court, receiver returns the ball, and then after the ball is crossed back to the serving team's court, just about just before the player's about to make a play on the ball, the receiver's partner yells really loud, let! Okay, that's a distraction fault. You're yelling at your opponents right before they're going to hit a ball, and that's going to be a fault on the team that yelled out to their opponents. So those are three or four likely scenarios that are going to happen at the beginning of the year. So start training yourself to ignore lets. Don't even mention them. If your opponents mention them out of habit, continue playing. Well, that sounds like a great explanation for something that you really think is kind of a simple change in rule, but the number of scenarios you just went through just creates so much complexity on the court, I think. Well, we just want to cover because people will will hear the rule, but then they're trying to see how do we apply that rule in a, in a real situation. So we try to not make really bizarre situations. We want to pick out situations that are probably going to happen with some degree of frequency. And, and let people know how to handle those situations. So service lets, 
They no longer exist. Well, the other portion of the serving area that had a big change is the optional drop serve. And I think I've seen more commentary and videos about how to hit that serve and over the last couple of days and anything else. Can you get into the details of that role, just like you did around the service sure. lets? So in 2021, you have two options to serve. You can serve the way we've already always served all the way through 2020. That service rule hasn't changed at all. So you do the same things and you have the same restrictions. What you have now is you have an option to serve in a new way. And the new way is a provisional rule that we're going to try out in 2021 and evaluate it, see if it needs to continue, if it needs updating, if we need to put some more restrictions. We don't know. It's a trial. And this is a provisional drop serve. So it's not a bounce serve in the in the idea that you can forcefully bounce bounce the ball down on the ground. It has to be dropped and not propelled in any way down on the ground. You can drop it to the ground from any height that you can reach unaided. You can't have your six foot seven partner pick you up and then you drop the ball, but you can stand on your tippy toes and drop it from as high as you can reach, as long as you don't propel it down. The ball can bounce anywhere on the ground, in the court, behind the baseline, doesn't matter. Once the ball has bounced, as long as no feet are in the court and at least one foot is on the ground, any feet that are on the ground still have to be behind the baseline at the point of service contact. Other than that, you can do whatever you want hitting the ball. You can cut it. You can topspin it. There's no restriction on if you hit it above your waist, below your waist. Now, it's not going to bounce above your waist if you're just standing up. But once it bounces, if you want to crouch down as low as you want, and at that point, the ball would be above your waist, have at it. If you want to swing down on the ball, if you want to swing up on the ball, if you want to put any spin you want on the ball, if you want to hit it with one hand on the paddle, two hands on the paddle, all fine. If you if the ball bounces twice before you hit it, okay. If you drop the ball and you don't like the bounce, catch it. Serve again. And you don't have to use the drop serve the next time you serve within that 10 seconds. So you have 10 seconds to serve. You bounce it. I'm sorry, you drop it. The ball bounces. You don't like how it bounces. Pick it up. Drop it again legally. Or serve like you would serve in 2020. So once you try the new provisional serves, other than very few restrictions on where your feet are, they can't be beyond the extension of the service line, uh, sorry, of the sideline or the center line. And any feet on the ground must be behind the baseline. Ball can bounce on the court or behind the baseline. Pretty much wild, wild west. Do whatever you want with the serve. Well, of course, with my background as a racquetball player, I, I love this idea because essentially I can hit my racquetball 
set of serves. So I'm loving it. How do you think the other players are looking at this and what are their, their thoughts? Well, first thing we know is in general, people are resistant to change. That's human nature, right? So anything new is going to be met with some skepticism, but it is going to be in effect for this year. So you can hate on it. You can withhold your opinion until you see how it's going to work for you and your opponents. You can ignore it completely and never use it yourself if you want to. So we're going to have to wait and see what people come up with, right? So I'm curious as to how this change came about and and why it came about. I don't really know anything about the process of how new rules go through and are actually finalized and then implemented. So every year there's a committee that works on updating the rule book and the referee handbook and puts together a change document and rules can come in from anybody. Anybody that submits a rule change or an update or a comment, every single one of those are logged and looked at. And that process usually starts in May each year, the formal process, because it takes that long. But they are collecting rules right now for the 2022 edition of the rule book. And you could submit those rule changes on the USA Pickleball website. You can contact, I think it's rules at usapickleball.org, but verify that on the website. So if you have an idea or a comment about a rule, submit them. That's where a lot of the rules come from. They come from amateur players. They come from pro players. This year there was a pro player committee that dealt with a number of rules and several lots of rules came from that committee this year that were suggested by that committee they all get organized and the rules committee votes on them towards the end of the year and formalizes the rule book now i'm probably leaving out a few steps but the idea of it is over 70 people worked on the rules in one fashion or another on committees or on the actual final rules committee, referees, officials, pro players, amateur players, everybody had input in suggesting rules. And then, of course, we can't have, you know, millions of people voting on rules. That would be not very efficient. So they're all considered, they're all discussed, they're voted on, they're ranked. And then the ones that make a high enough rank are actually cleaned up and submitted for approval. Well, with the changes that we've talked about in terms of the optional drop serve and then the no more service lets, what are some of the other key rule changes that you've identified that you think are worth noting? So I think one of the most important things for both referees and players is it has been standardized when, how can I say it, when the timing issues occur for infractions. Like currently, some things you could do before the score was called, after the score was called, before the serve motion started, after the service motion, when it was served. 
Next year, all that's going away. Most all the timing issues are going to commence with contact of the serve. In fact, the service motion is not mentioned at all in the 2021 rulebook. There's no other than, what I mean by that is the word service motion. There's some descriptions of legal serves that really haven't changed, but the word service motion is gone. So currently, if the referee hadn't finished calling the score and you started swinging before they had fin the referee had finished, that was a fault. Now, it's not a fault if you start serving and start your service motion before the referee finishes calling the score. You just can't actually serve before the referee finishes calling the score. You can now call a time up, a timeout, up until the ball is struck. Any time between the time the referee starts to call the score and the serve contact is actually made, both serving team and receiving team can ask questions. And those questions have been expanded and they're brought back to the pre-2018 level. So you can ask the score. What's our score? I didn't hear you call the score. Can you repeat the score? You can ask, am I the correct server? What's my score? Am I in the correct position? Receivers can also ask, am I the correct receiver? Right? So a lot of questions that the referees last year would say, I can tell you your score, that's gone away. There's no more chess match. Soon as a player on either the serving or receiving team asks one of these type of questions between the time the serve uh, the score is called and the point of contact for the serve occurs, the referee is now going to call time, answer the question, and then recall the score with a new 10 second clock starting. So there's not going to be this option where the referees call the scores, trying to count 10 seconds, is trying to answer two or three questions and still accurately keep track of the 10 second count. That's just not going to happen. So every time a question is asked from the time the referee calls a score to the time that the serve makes contact to start the rally, that's going to be a referee timeout, answer your question, recall the score. So think about this from a player's point of view. I'm going to try the provisional serve. I drop the ball. It hits a crack and it starts rolling under the bleachers. And I've got 10 seconds to start to, to serve the ball. If I think I'm going to have any trouble doing that, I should just say, hey, ref, am I the correct server? Now he's got to start all over to call the score. And he's not going to call the score till the, the server is ready to serve. Same thing for receivers, right? If you if it's noisy and you can't hear the whole score, it's not much time from the time the person can legally serve you to process what you just heard. So now there's a rule that says you have up until the, the third shot occurs to question a score that you think was incorrect. So you can question a wrong score called now up until the third shot occurs. Last year was up until the ball was received. So you have a little bit extra time. 
Well, good. So it, it sounds like there's definitely some positives and negatives to those rule changes you just talked about. Right. And as, as players take the time to actually learn the new rules, they're going to learn also how to use those rules to their advantage in a tournament. So instead of before, the only way to stop the server from serving was to call a timeout. And if you're out of timeouts, you couldn't do that. This year, if you something's not right, you didn't have time to, to verify the score, ask. That stops the clock. The ref will answer your question. And everything starts over again, recalling the score. And the new 10-second clock happens. Well, one question I had on the rules as I went through them a little bit earlier today And I'm not really sure how much of a change this is, but I did notice that there was one rule, uh, rule 60, I think it is, which is to be absolutely certain when calling a ball out, players must clearly see a space between the line and the ball when it lands on the playing surface. You know, I know just in in recreational play, sometimes it's just even difficult to call your lines, you know, in, in that. I mean, is this, what, what does this rule mean practically, especially if you're playing in a tournament? Okay, so this is the rules committee trying every year to make their intent clear to people that are just reading it, right? So what happens is if you watch pros play, especially pros play rec play, and even in tournament play to a large extent, you'll see pros playing what most people would say is an out ball. So the pros are very good at following the code of ethics for line call. And there is actually a rule that says code of ethics for line calling, it's rule 6D. And it says that the line calling responsibilities for players, so when players are making line calls are much different than the line calling responsibilities for referees or line judges. So the officials, the refs, the line judges, they want to make an impartial line call with everybody's interest equally in mind. We're not trying to favor the serving team. We're not trying to favor the the receiving team. We're just calling it the way we see it, no matter, no, no objective to favor one team or the other. The player's code of ethics for line calling is actually different. The players are directed to strive for accuracy, but they have to under operate under the principle that anything questionable should go in favor of the opponent. So if you're not willing to bet your life that the ball was out, you should be playing it and playing it as in. Well, that's a really interesting distinction. And, you know, I think when it comes to sportsmanship, that's that's a great rule. So, I mean, you can, you know, see all kinds of diagrams and pictures and this and that. But truthfully, if you're receiving, you're the receiver and you're standing behind the baseline, how are you going to see space between where the ball bounces and the baseline if the ball's between you and the baseline? Well, that's a good question. And when I was looking at the rule and the image they had with it, I was like, well, yeah, how did how do you see that in certain situations? Will players, in fact, be playing balls that are out, but that that players can't call out? 
Absolutely, yes. So this is why when you're playing doubles, the receiver's partner should be looking at the ball land when the serve is coming over to the receiver. Because now the line, the baseline is between the ball and the receiver's partner. They have the best view to see if that ball is out or not, right? Because they can see space between the line and the ball. So when you're playing doubles, you want to remind your partner, hey, I'm hitting the serves. You've got to keep an eye on the ball and make those out calls when they're out because I can't tell. I can't look at where the ball bounces and pay attention to how I'm going to hit it back at the same time accurately. It's You can't do it. Well, that's great advice. On where the ball bounces, say on sidelines in the middle of a rally. You need to be able to see space between the line which is in and a ball that bounces outside the court. Now, depending on where you or your partner is standing, you may have a much different view. If you're standing right over the top of it, it's going to be very hard to make that call because you can't see space. But if you're farther down the line and you can see the ball bounce significantly significantly in front of you, it's much easier to see a space between the line that's in and a ball that bounces outside the court. So everybody wants to win, but everybody wants to make fair line calls too. You don't want to be known as that player that keeps making questionable line calls. So in the spirit in which this rule is intended, when players are making their own line calls, if you can't on your life call it out, you should be playing it as in. Well, good. I will definitely remember that advice when I'm playing. And, you know, I think that's just really goes together with um, great sportsmanship, too. Yeah. And, and that's one of the great things about pickleball, right? It's it's a social game. It's It's a game that is known for good sportsmanship. And so when you get to the line calling part, that's the way to continue that those aspects of pickleball going forward. All right. Well, just to finish up today, I know I've just learned so much from this podcast and talking with you regarding the rules. And I know, too, that you train other referees and I think you're a coordinator in your area. You've got so much knowledge. If anybody wants to reach out to you, if they have questions, where's the best place to contact you? So. Not only me, but depending on where you are in the country, we have the USA Pickleball breaks us up into regions. So depending on where you are, you're going to want to find something close to you. If you need help, you can absolutely reach out to me. But the best place to start is if you go on usapickleball.org and there's a tournament tab and you go down to referees and line judges, there's a whole bunch of resources. And one of those is a referee search tool. You can search for trainers in your area. You can search for referee coordinators and certified refs in your area. You can find all the reference materials, the rule books, the change documents, the handbooks, the tests. So I will give you my contact information. If you want me to reach me directly, you can find me at Randy, R-A-N-D-I, the number two, plan, P-L-A-N, at gmail.com. 
And if I can help you on your journey to clarify some rules or are interested in refereeing, I definitely have quite a number of resources to help you with that. Well, great. I'm sure the audience will appreciate that so much. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. There's many, many rules that are going to apply to this year. That's just a few. Help yourselves out, players. Check out the change document. Read the scenarios. You'll learn a lot of things that will help you win some matches in this 2021 tournament season. Well, great. Thanks again, Randy. Thanks again, Lynn. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 